Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome. Welcome once again to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach. And I am here with yet another high demand coach, and that is Alexis Hasselberger. She's a time management and productivity coach who helps people do more and stress less through coaching, workshops, and online courses. Her pragmatic yet fun approach helps people to easily integrate practical, realistic strategies into their lives so that they can do more of what they want and less of what they don't. Alexis has taught thousands of individuals to take control of their time. And her clients, tell me if you've heard of any of these, include Google, Lyft, Workday, Capital One, Upwork, and so many more. Well, Alexis, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, And I was wondering if before we kind of get into the work that you do, which uh, I'm so excited to hear about, I'd love to uh, just take a step back and, and see what's the story behind all this? What were you doing before you jumped into coaching and consulting? And why'd you ultimately make the leap? Yeah, well, thanks so much for having me on, Scott. Excited to be here and have this conversation. So before I opened my practice to become a coach and a consultant, I spent about 15 years in early stage startups. So Mm -hmm. I am in the Bay Area. There are startups all around. Um, Startups are really like fast paced, uh, you know, hardworking culture. There's always like way more to do than people to do it. And I thrived in that culture, but I also knew I never wanted to work more than 40 hours a week, right? Like I was just, you know, I, I really like having a lot of free time. I like having a lot of time for myself. And so I was, um, I was just in a lot of positions where I w- kept being asked, why, you know, like, how are you getting all of this work done in this short amount of time? Like, why aren't you staying late? Or people would ask me to put um, processes and systems and templates and things into place because I was, you know, that was the kind of thing that that I was good at. Had a couple of kids along the way. People were still coming to me for that sort of advice. And so when the last um, startup that I worked for went out of business, as, you know, most startups do, it's either they're getting acquired, going out of business or going, you know, going public, whatever. Um, when the last one, became no more, uh, I realized that the thing that people kept coming to me for was time management, productivity, life balance, that kind of stuff. And that it didn't seem like something that people were, you know, like they didn't have a lot of skills or help in that area, right? It was either kind of sink or swim. You don't learn this stuff in college. They don't teach it to you in high school. And so some people figure it out and other people really struggle for a number of reasons. Yeah. Yeah, fascinating. So uh, you make the leap now. You 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 hear that long enough, loud enough. That's like, hey, I can actually help some folks here. So, what would you say, kind of fast forwarding today, is some of the most important work that you do for your clients? 
I think that, I mean, this is going to sound kind of uh, counterproductive, but I think one of the most important things that uh, that we do, or not counterproductive, but maybe counter uh, to what we think, is that the goal is not to do it all. <laughs> like mm. people come in with this goal of like, I'm just, we're going to figure out, we're going to Tetris it all together and we're going to figure out how to do all the things. And a big mind block for people is that we're not actually going to do all the things. And that isn't even the point. Like you, me, everybody else, we are all going to die with a big long list of things we did not do. And that is not only okay, but preferable because like, what would the alternative be that we just like get everything done every day? We're never striving for anything. Nothing is interesting or slightly out of reach. Um, And so I think that the biggest piece of work is helping people understand that it isn't about doing all the things. Mm -hmm. It's about making choices with your time and mm. about being able to prioritize in such a way that you know every day the things you did were more important than the things you didn't do and that you know that the things you didn't do it's not because they fell through the cracks you ran out of time you forgot it's because you actively chose something that was more important than that what a fascinating statement i, I love that and you just kind of slipped it in on us so i want to pull it out but uh, you know at the end of the day that the things you did are more important than the things you didn't do Mm-hmm. What a just a fantastic statement for folks who are just who are dealing with it. And and I've found, especially post-pandemic for leaders, this is a really, really big issue because there are just more things to do than before. There's it's harder to hire than before. It's harder to get the supplies you need than before. It's harder to re- manage remote employees than it was people in the office, et cetera, et cetera. So uh how do you, I mean, what are some steps that you take in that direction? Cause it's like, yeah, I hear you. That sounds great for somebody else, but like for me, I don't even have a clue where to start. What would you say to someone in that place? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I actually have a, an arc that I walk everybody through when I'm working with folks. Right. And so we start from a position of knowing yourself better exactly as you are, uh, because I just don't feel like we are able to, you know, we, we want to be able to build sustainable habits. Anyone can make themselves do something for a short period of time, right. but we want to be able to build sustainable habits around us that actually work with who we are so that we don't just, you know, force ourselves to do something and then snap back to who we are. And so we start there. We also start with time tracking. We we start with trying to figure out like, where is our time actually going so that mm. we can look at that data. And then we start saying, okay, what are all the things, right? Like all these things that you want to do, what are all the things? Like first let's catalog that, right? Let's start putting things all in one place. Then let's start prioritizing. Let's start saying, what are we not going to do? Like, what are the easy, the easy low hanging fruit of like, you know what? Somebody else could do this. It doesn't have to be me. Maybe this thing doesn't need to be done at all, right? Like, what can we just get off of our plate? Maybe we need to keep doing it for some amount of time. But after that, we can release ourselves from the obligation or whatever it is. And then we focus on prioritization. So the when of things. And I think this is a very different way of thinking about prioritization than a lot of us think about like, P1, P2, P3, or like high, medium, and low. And when I am working with folks, we are always thinking about prioritization as the when, because it's like, when are you going to do the thing? That's the important part, right? Mm. It's not important whether it's high, medium, and low. High, medium, and like, it's high if you're doing it today, right? It's it's low if you're not doing it today. And so we kind of strip away a lot of the, um, a lot of the I don't know, overhead, that comes yeah. with these things. And, yeah. and that's, I mean, I could, I could keep going, but I'm going to stop there. That's kind of where we get started with these things, what we do and what we don't. 
That's fantastic. Uh, so one of the things you mentioned there is, you know, one of the things we're trying to do is just stop doing stuff. It's just been the common thread through everything that you've said so far. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I've worked with uh, enough type A leaders to know the last thing they think they're doing is things that they don't need to be doing, right? I mean, most people are doing what they're doing because it needs to get done, right? So how do you, uh, uh, first, I'd like to ask this, how often do find do folks that you're working with find that there are things that they just don't need to be doing at all? Every single person, every single person. Right. Um, and it's not so it's, and it's not always that it's things that we're just not going to do ever. Right. Sometimes it's like, hey, this is this is just not a priority for right now. So we're going to put it, you know, three months from now or whatever. Sometimes it's, you know what, this does need to be done, but not by me. Like I'm the leader of a company. I don't need to be doing this this work. I could delegate that to someone or I could outsource that thing or I could train my kids to do it or like whatever. I mean, there's a lot of ways that we can get things off of our plates. Yeah. And then there's also a lot of stuff that we actually just don't need to be doing, like that we that nobody needs to be doing that we think is moving the needle, but isn't. And yeah. so I think that's another key thing, right? Is like sometimes we're doing things a lot via habit right? It's like, we're just used to doing it that way. This is the thing we've always done. And we haven't always taken the moment to raise our heads above and say like, is this thing that we're doing actually doing what we want it to do? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And should we keep doing it? Should we iterate on it? Or should we stop? And how do you do that? Cause I mean, a lot of times there is no, there is no playbook, right? Especially the higher you go on an org chart, uh, the earlier you are in the history of the organization. I mean, you spent a lot of time working in startups. A lot of them don't work, right? Like we fundamentally don't know what works and what doesn't. So how do you help people when it comes to like, are you, are we going to stop doing this or keep doing it? How do you help them understand, is this actually moving the needle? Well, we try to, we track things, right? And so I, I'm a huge believer in experimentation because we don't like, that's how we get to the things that work. And so first step would be like, is there anything in here that you can measure, right? Or let's say, we let's try an experiment of let's not do this for two weeks and see what happens, right? Like, does anything worse, you know, whatever time period is not like super, yeah. super risky, right? right? But I find that a lot of times we people are stuck in a mode of doing something because they think that thing has brought them success in the past instead of realizing that they might have had success despite that thing that they've been doing yeah right? yeah yeah. I mean, that's so true. Uh, and I, I see it all the time and I can only imagine some of the stories that you have with that. Um, I'd, I'd like to shift gears just a little bit because we've kind of talked about this you know, somewhat in the context of a person. What does this look like organizationally? Because I know you do work with teams as well. How does how does this like the sea of you know things that we can be doing or should be doing show up in a team environment? Yeah. So I think there are a lot of, you know, when you're working with teams, we're working on slightly different things, right? We're working on things that like we can, <laughs> we can assess together. So one of the things that we'll do is talk about having a shared task management system or project management system, because when we can, when we are all using the same thing um, and we're all updating the same things, that actually eliminates a lot of churn in organizations, right? Because we have to have many fewer status update meetings if everyone can check our Asana and see what's actually going on, Right. right. Um, I do a lot of work around meetings and meeting audits with companies as well, because I think, you know, as, as you know, I'm sure meetings are up like 200% from pre-pandemic and there were still too many meetings before that. And so really working on like, 
are we are we spending our synchronous time in the right place? Um, how could we move things more asynchronously and still get the same things done? Yeah. Um, why are we meeting? And when we are meeting, are we using agendas? Are we sticking to the time we've set aside? Are we knowing what we're meeting about? I mean, this is a a huge one. It sounds so basic, right? But so many meetings that people have on their calendars, they don't know why they're there or what they're supposed to be accomplishing. Yeah, it is so, so very true. And, and you know, to be fair, there's a number of models out there that kind of teach this ad hoc style of meeting protocol, right? You, you show up, you talk about a few things, you kind of you know, stick your finger in the air, pick the one that's most important. Uh, how do like, is that right? You know, how do you balance showing up to the meeting with a preset agenda and everything's already defined versus having an adaptable dynamic meeting structure? How, how do you fit those two together or do you? Well, I really would say, what is the purpose of your meeting if there is not, uh, if there's not a goal, right? Like, mm. why are we meeting? Now, the goal doesn't always have to be um, you know, we're making a decision on X, Y, or Z, but I think that understanding what the goal of the meeting is, is valuable no matter what. So it might be, and I, I think that there's a, a bifurcation of, is this a discussion meeting or a decision meeting? And mm. knowing, and when those things are mismatched in people's minds, everybody gets frustrated, right? Because yes. some people are like, no, we're trying to make a decision here. And other people are like pontificating about things, right? And, and people are just annoyed. And so I think that one of the things is that we should not have a meeting if it's just a, a throw our finger in the air and like, let's talk about something, right? If the goal is just let's talk, then I don't actually think that's worthy of people's time. Yeah. Now, if the goal is, hey, there's a specific issue and we're not really sure how to move forward with it. So the goal of this meeting is to talk about ideas, brainstorm ideas, evaluate ideas, and we're not planning to have a decision at the end. That's fine. But everyone needs to know that going in. Yes. I'm not a big fan of meetings that are just like, hey, we just have this weekly meeting on the calendar and we'll figure out what we're going to talk about when we get there because we can talk about anything for an hour. It doesn't mean it's yeah. actually going to move things forward. There's a, a client um, that we've worked with and the CEO, much to the chagrin of everyone else, but in a, a great degree of wisdom, cancels every single meeting every single January. So if you want to have, especially standing meetings, you have to get back together and say, hey, this is why we're going to have this meeting this year, because yeah. they do. They just add and they add and they add. And, it, it you know, it's 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 actually the same thing you talked about in like, should we do this? Right. You yeah. thought at one point in time it was helpful. It may or may not have even been helpful back then. And it yeah. may or may not be helpful now. Yeah, I love that. It's like a forced meeting audit. I'm sure yes. people are annoyed, but I love it. <laughs> That's fascinating. Um, all right. So here's a question uh, that I like to ask uh, every one of my guests. And um, and that is, what is the biggest secret that you wish wasn't a secret at all? What's that yeah. one thing that you wish everybody out there listening today knew? I wish that everyone knew that they're not doing it wrong. <laughs> There's no like one right way to do things. And that it's really much more about personalization, iteration, et cetera. Like, I, I feel like I meet with so many people who are like, I've read Getting Things Done and I just couldn't implement it. And I feel like a failure or I've read Atomic Habits or I've read blah, blah, blah. And all of those things have great nuggets in them, right? But that doesn't mean that you're going to be able to implement it exactly as it worked for the person who wrote it, right? And we feel a lot of shame and a lot of failure when we can't implement this thing that somebody wrote as like a best practice. And it's just because we're all different, right? We all have different brains. Like some things are going to work for me that are not going to work for you and vice versa. And as soon as we can start 
admitting that and accepting that, then we can move on to the real work of figuring out what yeah. works for us. I mean, I just had a, someone in one of my group coaching courses and she said, I'm just so, I'm just feeling so free knowing that I don't have to try to make myself be a morning person anymore. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. Like waking up has been the hardest part of my day since I've been five years old. Like I am not a morning person at all. And of course I've had periods of time where I can get up early. I have children, right? But that as soon as summer comes around and they're not in school, like I'm sleeping later, like my snap back to who I am. And so it's really that like just accepting who you are and working around that instead of trying to shove yourself in somebody else's box. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, that's so, so good because I mean, who hasn't gone out and tried all of those things, right? It's mm-hmm. you know, every leader out there has at some point come out with their like, this is how I organize my day. And we're like, this is all I, I want to do. And for those of you who've done that and felt bad about not doing it, uh, seeing behind the curtain for a lot of those leaders, they don't use it either, right? Like it is a, it's, you know, a a friend and mentor of mine, Les McEwen talks a lot about his ideal day, right? This is what my ideal day looks like. And he'll, and if you ask him, he'll say, yeah, I never have an ideal day, but I know what my ideal day is and I can build toward that. Yeah, yeah, I love that. That's, I mean, I do an ideal schedule uh, exercise with a lot of my clients as well. And I say the same thing. It's like, we're not going to reach your your ideal schedule. That's okay. But you don't want to cut yourself off at the knees, like imagining that it's impossible. Yes. You want to keep making small iterative changes towards that. Yes. That's so fascinating. I mean, there's so much freedom in so many of these points. And I I think folks that are listening, you're just going to want to go right back to the beginning right now and listen to it again, because I guarantee that you've missed about half of what's in there for you. So, I mean, there's so much in here that we could unpack, Um, but I'd actually like to shift gears one more time and and, uh, talk a little bit more uh, kind of where we started with you. Uh, And and so I'm going to have you take off your coach consultant advisor hat, uh, productivity uh, extraordinaire. I'm going to have you put on your CEO hat, jump into the ring with the rest of us and talk to us a little bit about what the next phase of growth looks like for you, your organization and your leadership and what challenges you think you'll have to overcome to get there. Yeah. Um, thanks for asking about this. So for me, the the next horizon is that I'm really trying to shift the balance in my business um, more from one-on-one into more group-based methods. And the reason for this is, I mean, I have both of these things going on right now. Um, it's just that the balance is more skewed towards one-on-one and a little less skewed towards group, but I want to switch those. And the reason that I'm doing that is because when I started my group program, uh, I was being, I was booked out for one-on-one for several months at a time. And that did not feel good to me. It really felt mm. bad to have somebody come to me, be in need, know that I could help them, but be like, well, I can, can we get started in six months? I know you're in pain right now, but like, can we get started in six months? And so um, I'm really trying to shift towards this model so that I can serve more people mm. uh, to, to be able to help more people. And so that, that's what I'm facing. And then in terms of challenges, it's like, well, you know what? Now I have to become a marketer because when you want to be able to serve more people and and to grow that side of things, you also have to learn different marketing skills that, you know, are, are more advanced, let's say, than, I don't know, word of mouth and just letting people come to you. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Now, uh, again, I know some folks are listening to this and just saying like, uh, uh, yes, you know, finally someone who gets me right. And, and they just, they, there's a sense of hope with their own productivity that they haven't felt in a long time. So that person who's sitting there wants to know more about what it's like to work with you and the work that you do. How can they find out more? 
Yeah, they can reach me at my website, which is alexishasselberger.com, which hopefully you put in the show notes. Nobody will be able to spell it. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram at do.more.stress.less and on Facebook at do more stress less and on TikTok at do more stress less. <laughs> Fantastic. I love that. And one of the things that I did note that I, I think would be really helpful for uh, for a good chunk of our audience, I had I happened to be on your website um, and saw that you have a distraction action plan on there. Could you, do you mind just giving us you know, 60 seconds on what's in that action plan? Yeah, of course. So uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this study, but when I first heard it, it blew my mind. And it is that when we get distracted or interrupted from something, it takes us on average 23 minutes to refocus on what we were doing. 23 minutes, not seconds, right? And so this this just shows us that like every ping, every ding, every you know interruption from our own mind, just imagine 23 minutes of your day gone, right? This results in most people spending about a third of their workday simply recovering from distractions. Wow. And so, you know, like it's just, it's mind blowing. And yet I bet at the same time, you're like, no, that makes sense, right? Like I feel that, right? When I get interrupted by something and I, you know, I pick up my phone to do something. And then, you know, 45 minutes later, I put down my phone and I realized I didn't do the thing that I picked up my phone to do, right? Uh, and so in this distraction action plan, it's just at, it's really taking you through what are your biggest distractions and then providing a number of concrete, doable, you can implement them today, <laughs> techniques to reduce those distractions so that you can gain back your time. And so, yeah, anyone is able to go to my website. It's right there on the homepage. You can download that for free uh, and that'll, you know, hopefully you'll be able to claw back a couple of hours of your day just with that. I love that. Fantastic. Uh, so head over to alexishasselberger.com. Well, Alexis, thank you so much for being on the show. It's just absolutely a, a joy and pleasure to have you on today. Thank you so much. And for those who are listening, your time and attention mean the world to us. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I know I did. And I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.